All right, good morning, and I'm excited to be here for chapel this morning. Let's take our Bibles, if you have them, and uh, we're going to go to Joshua chapter number 6. Joshua chapter number 6, and a very familiar passage as we think about the battle of Jericho, and as we think about the faith of Joshua, and uh, also the people of God. And so Joshua chapter number 6, and uh, we're going to look at this story. I pray it can be a blessing and a help to each and every single one of us uh, as we think about this wonderful story in Joshua chapter 6. We're going to just look at the first uh, two verses as we begin here this morning. We're going to preach through the first 20, uh, but we're going to start just with the first two as we start our message uh, here this morning. The Bible reads in Joshua chapter 6, verse number 1, it says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this morning, and we thank you for this wonderful day that you've given us. And Lord, as we come now to the preaching of thy word, I pray, Father, that you would uh, just arrest our hearts, help us to pay attention to the truths that we find here within the scriptures. And Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit of God, I ask that you would eliminate all the distractions that we might have externally and then also uh, internally within our hearts. And pray, Father, that you'd speak to us. And then, Lord, I pray that we would humble ourselves, that we would respond to the word of God and the truth that you have for us during this chapel time. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this morning. Uh, pray now that you bless this message. Use it for your glory and for your honor, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As we study the scriptures, the Christian life, oftentimes we find in the Bible is depicted as a battle, and the believer oftentimes is depicted as a soldier for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible teaches us in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 11, the Bible says there, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so we find throughout the scriptures that the Christian life oftentimes is depicted as a battle. In Ephesians chapter number 6, once again, it commands us that we would put on the whole armor of God, that we would have our loins girt about with truth, that we would have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that we would have on the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit that we might be able to press forward victoriously in the work of God. But sometimes people mistaken the Christian life and, and oftentimes they believe that the Christian life is a life of ease. Uh, the Christian life is a life of comfort that once you're saved, then your life is filled with wealth and health and prosperity. And don't get me wrong here this morning, the Christian life is the best life. Uh, the Christian life here this morning is the most worthy life that we can live here on this earth. The Christian life here this morning is the most joyful life that we can live. However, the Christian life is not an easy life. Uh, we don't find that throughout the scriptures that once we trust Christ as our personal Savior, that it's simply a walk through the park or that it's a bed of roses and that it's an easy life. But rather, we find in the Bible that the Christian life oftentimes is filled with battles. Uh, oftentimes it is filled with struggles and oftentimes it is filled with conflicts that we face upon this earth. And that is why the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 12, it says, fight the good fight 
of faith. And as we think about our passage here this morning in Joshua chapter number 6, and as we think about the Israelites, as they entered into the promised land, some of them might have been thinking uh, that their battles were over. Uh, some of them might have been thinking that their hardships were over. They just spent 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, now they've crossed over the Jordan River. Now they're encamped in the city of Gilgal. And they might be thinking, we don't have to eat manna anymore. And our struggles, our hardships are behind us. And now begins the life of ease and of comfort and of luxury in the promised land. But the reality that we find in the scriptures is that now was just the beginning of their battles. Uh, now was just the beginning of their conflicts and their struggles. And for some time, they were going to face conflict after conflicts as they moved forward in the will of God. And as we think about this passage, and as we think about the first battle against Jericho in Joshua chapter number 6, we find several key principles and several key truths that we might apply to our lives here today in the 21st century that we too, as we face the battles, uh, as we face the struggles, as we face the hardships that will inevitably come within this life, we can be victorious as we think about the principles and the truths that we find within this passage. And so first of all, I want you to notice with me as we uh, begin in verse number one, I find here the obstacles. Uh, notice with me the obstacles uh, as we think about this story. And it begins, of course, with the obvious, and that is the protected city, uh, the protected city of Jericho. In verse number one, the Bible reads, now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Now, Jericho wasn't a large city. Uh, Jericho wasn't a heavily populated city. It was only about nine acres when it came to its size. However, we find from the Bible and also from history that Jericho was a protected city. Uh, not only do we find that they were on high alert, we find here they were on lockdown. Uh, they couldn't leave the city. Nobody can come in. They shut up all of the gates there, as the Bible teaches. But also, they had fortified walls that were practically impenetrable, keeping the city protected from an outside attack. Uh, as we think about the structure of those walls, they had an outer wall, which was called the lower wall, and then they had an embankment between that outer wall and the inner wall, which would have been the upper wall. Uh, as we think about that lower wall, they would have had a retaining wall that was built that would have been about 10 to 15 feet high. And then on top of that, they would have had a mud brick wall, which would have been another 10 feet high. And then as you think about the embankment, that would have inclined maybe about 15 to about 20 feet. And so at the base of the inner wall, it would have been about 40 to 45 feet above ground level. And then there, they would have had that inner wall that would have been erected, and that would have been another 10 to about 15 feet. And so if you think about the picture there, if you think about the Israelites that are walking about on the outside of the city from where they were standing to the top of the inner wall, that would have been a minimum of about 50 feet that they would have to scale in order for them to enter into that city. And so as we think about just the structure of that protected city, this was a location that was insurmountable. Uh, it was a protected city that we find uh, here in the Word of God. One Bible scholar wrote, humanly speaking, it was impossible for the Israelites to penetrate the impregnable bastion of Jericho. 
And so first of all, we find here concerning the obstacles, the obvious, the physical obstacle that the city was protected by these walls. But then secondly, I want you to notice with me as we think about the obstacles, uh, not only the protected city, but then next we also think about the plan of conquest, the plan of conquest. Now there was nothing wrong concerning the plan. The plan had originated from God. But as we think about the reception of that plan, it would have caused some obstacles within the hearts of the people that received it. In Joshua chapter 6, verse number 2, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And here it begins with the Lord promising that he will give the city of Jericho to the Israelites. And then he continues by explaining this plan of conquest to Joshua. And I'm sure Joshua already spent some time with his men. Uh, I'm sure by this point they'd already sat down together and maybe had some strategies on how they might uh, attack the city of Jericho, how they might penetrate those walls. And maybe they thought to themselves, we're going to build a rampart and uh, we're going to build a hill and we're going to climb over these 50 feet. Maybe they were thinking to themselves, we're going to build some battering rams and we're going to ram the gates and we're going to enter into the city of Jericho. Or maybe they were thinking, we're going to have a strategy. We're going to use some trickery and we're going to draw them out of the city and then ambush them outside of the walls of Jericho. But now we find here within these ensuing verses that God has a plan and God reveals that plan to Joshua. And I think as Joshua was getting ready to hear this plan, he was probably thinking, man, this is going to be great. I mean, we were thinking about ramparts, we were thinking about battering rams, but here comes the Lord, and, and this is going to be a great plan. And he's probably expecting, Lord, are you going to send fire from heaven? Uh, Lord, are you going to send maybe a host of your angels to consume these people within Jericho? Lord, are you going to give us maybe a special weapon that we've never had before so that we can fight against these people? But we find God's plan here in verse number 3, and the Bible says, and he shall compass the city. I'm sure Joshua was kind of scratching his head. He was probably expecting something else, but, but God says, Joshua, you're going to walk around the city. You're going to surround it. I want you to compass the city. All ye men of war, and go around about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days, and seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns, and the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priest shall blow with the trumpets. I can kind of imagine Joshua listening to this plan, and he's probably waiting. Lord, I know you got something else. All right, I got it. Walk around the city, get some, get some priests together, carry the Ark of the Covenant. And then after that, God, there must be fire. Uh, after that, Lord, there must be an angel in there somewhere. There must be some other strategy and plan. And Joshua's awaiting for this strategy. And God continues in verse number five. And it says, And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, uh, after you blow all the trumpets, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And so here was the plan of God. He said, get some armed men. You're going to have a procession around the walls of Jericho. These are men. They're going to lead that group. 
uh, behind them, you're going to have seven priests, and they're going to have ram's horns, and they're going to blow the trumpets, and then behind them, you're going to have those that carry the Ark of the Covenant, and then you're going to have the rear guards or the rear group that follows, and you're going to do that once a day for six days in a row, and then on the seventh day, Joshua, I got something really special for you. On the final day, you're going to come past the wall seven times for a total of 13, and get this, don't say a word, uh, don't, don't sing don't be conversing with one another, but at the end of all of that, you're going to shout with a great shout. And when you do that, the walls of Jericho are going to start crumbling down. And so Joshua receives this strategy, this plan, and then he turns around and he tells the priests and the men of war. In verse number six, the Bible says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and come past the city and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And I'm sure as Joshua was relaying this plan to the people of God that Somewhere within the ranks, or maybe with Joshua himself, somebody undoubtedly would have had thoughts within their hearts that this is not a good plan. Uh, what you're telling us right now, this is not a good battle strategy. I've never heard of another army conquering a city by simply walking around the walls, by blowing some ram's horns and then shouting at the top of their lungs. This is not a good plan. This is not going to work. Maybe some of them were wondering, Joshua, are you sure you don't want to go back to the Lord and, and get some clarification concerning this plan and receive it one more time just to make sure that this is what God desires for us to do? And you see, this plan of conquest would have been an obstacle in that it brought about doubt and concern in the hearts of the people. And you see, oftentimes that is how we feel as when we think about the plan of God. Uh, when we think about our well-laid-out plans and our strategies and our agenda that we have proposed, and then we think about the plan of God for our lives, oftentimes we scratch our heads and wonder, God, are you sure? Uh, I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know if that's uh, exactly going to add up at the end of the day. But you see, God's plans oftentimes are very different from our plans that we must submit to the Lord and understand that when we do not understand the hand of God, we can always trust in the heart of God. We can always trust in the character of God that his plans are always greater than our plans and that his plans are always wiser than the plans that we have within this life. Uh, I remember when I was working for my father as his uh, assistant pastor, uh, we had an outreach event that we were doing at a local community center, and we wanted to rent out that facility for the next seven weeks throughout the summertime and, and just uh, go door knocking throughout that community and reach young people and bring them to the community center, uh, preach the gospel, and see them get saved. And uh, I remember making that initial contact and sitting down with one of the representatives there of the city and uh, just going over the budget and how much it was going to cost for our church to rent that facility for the next seven weeks. It ended up being several thousands of dollars. And so I took back that report and I sat down in my dad's office and I showed him the report. I said, this is how much it's going to cost us and, and this is the total budget that we need to uh, plan for this outreach event. He looked at the final number. He said, we can't do it. Uh, he said, that's too expensive. We don't have that type of money to invest into this type of an event. And so he looked up at me. He said, Paul, this is what I want you to do. Uh, he said, tomorrow, go back to that community center. And when you sit down with that representative, this is what I want you to ask her. I want you to ask her to give us that community center 
for free, for absolutely nothing. And uh, I remember hearing those words from my dad and responding back to him, Dad, it doesn't work that way. Uh, there's no way they're going to give that to us for free. You're the one that taught me there's no free lunch, and, and that's not going to happen. And so the next day, just being obedient and submissive to my dad and my pastor, I went back to that community center, met that same representative, and we sat down, and, and I told her that's going to be way too expensive for our church, and, and I made her a proposal. I said, ma'am, would you be willing to give us this community center for the next seven weeks, for those hours, would you be willing to give that to us for free? And as soon as I asked that question, there was another person that walked by that table, and and that person happened to be the supervisor of that entire community center. And, and she heard what I said, and she stopped, and she said, Sir, are you asking us to give you this community center for free? I said, Yes, ma'am, that's what I'm asking. And she said, Who are you? I introduced myself. I told her what we're planning to do and, and what we'd like to do for the children and how we'd like to be a blessing to them throughout the summertime. And I'll never forget what she said after that. She said, Sir, I'm a Christian. I didn't know that you guys were coming here from a church. I didn't know that you wanted to be a blessing to our children. If that's your purpose behind this program, then you know what? You can have this community center for free. And I remember walking away from that meeting thinking to myself, I would have never thought of that plan. I would have never in a thousand years thought that I could get that community center for free. But, but oftentimes God has a different plan. And as we think about Joshua here, God had a plan that maybe wasn't normal to the people. Nevertheless, it was the best plan because it came from the Lord. And the Bible teaches us in Isaiah 55, verse number 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, uh, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And oftentimes God wants to use an illogical plan. A plan that doesn't quite make sense. A plan that doesn't quite add up at the end of the day. And he wants to use that plan that he might receive the glory and that we would not steal the glory that belongs only to the Lord. I think about 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. It says in verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And you see, that is why God used only 300 men with Gideon that he might conquer the Midianites. Why? That Gideon might not get the glory, but that God would receive the glory for that victory. That is why God used little David against nine foot six inch Goliath to uh, slay the enemy with a few pebbles that God might receive the glory. Uh, that's why God used a lad's lunch of five loaves and two fishes to feed a crowd of at least five thousand men. Why? That at the end of the day, God might receive the glory. I think about the great missionary Hudson Taylor, the founder of the Inland China Missions. And in a meeting that he had with a small group of missionaries in China, he told them, uh, men, there are three ways that we can do the work of God. He said, number one is to make the best plans we can and then carry them out to the best of our ability. He said, or having carefully laid out our plans and determined to carry them through, we may ask God to help us and to prosper us in connection with them. 
So he said, we can come up with the plans and then we can work it with our power and our ability, or we can come up with the plans and then step back and ask God to bless our strategy. And then thirdly, he said, yet another way of working is to begin with God, to ask his plans and to offer ourselves to him to carry out his purpose. And you see here, that's what God desired as we think about the battle of Jericho and with Joshua. We find, first of all, the obstacles, the protected city, uh, the plan of conquest. But then I want you to notice, secondly, I find here the obedience. Uh, the obedience of Joshua and the people of God. And to obey, they needed to be, first of all, courageous in obeying the Lord. In verse number 8, the Bible says, And it came to pass, when Joshua had spoken unto the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets, and the rearward came after the ark, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth, until the day I bid you shout, then shall ye shout. So the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about at once, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. Uh, as we think about this strategy, once again, it would have taken great courage for the priests. Uh, it would have taken great courage for the Israelites and the men of war realized that they were walking around the walls of the enemy city. Uh, they were not sprinting around those walls. Uh, they were not running around those walls. They were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, they were blowing the ram's horns. And so uh, this would have been a very slow stroll around that wall, being nine acres in size, roughly minimum, it would have taken them at least one hour to compass the whole city. With that, if you think about it and you picture that scenario, these men would have been easy pickings. Uh, they would have been an easy target for the people in Jericho. Maybe the citizens that lived on that outer wall, maybe they threw sticks at them. Uh, maybe they threw rocks at the Israelites as they walked around. Maybe the soldiers threw arrows. Uh, maybe they would have thrown some uh, spears towards the Israelites. Maybe there were people constantly mocking them and constantly ridiculing what they were doing. And, and I don't know exactly what took place. Maybe none of that happened as they were compassing the walls. But the fact of the matter is they would have been vulnerable to an attack. Uh, they would have been open to an attack as they were simply walking around the walls of Jericho. And hence, this required great courage to obey the plan of God. And as we think about the book of Joshua, that's the commandment, that's the encouragement that God gives continuously to Joshua as we think about Joshua chapter number one when he receives the mantle of leadership from Moses. It says in verse number nine, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. And you see this morning, whenever we decide to obey the Lord, uh, whenever we decide to follow in the will of God, that is always going to require courage within our lives. It's going to require courage uh, for us to stand up and to speak up in a world that tells us to be silent. Uh, in a world where the tide of society is going in the opposing direction, it's going to take courage to go and, 
leave our comfort zone and maybe one day scratch off a piece of land that you've never been to before and relocate with your family and just start knocking on doors and trust God has a people there that he wants you to reach and to start a church and see God bless it. It's going to take courage to launch out of that comfort zone. It's going to take courage to remain in the will of God. Uh, maybe God would take you to a mission field. And maybe at some point as you're serving the Lord, you feel like you need to leave or you feel fearful concerning the opposition that you face. And at that point, it's going to take some courage that you would remain and you would stay faithful in what God had called you to do. It's going to take courage to face our insecurities and press forward to make a difference for the Lord and be a faithful soul winner for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I think about a man by the name of uh, Ray Blankenship, not a familiar name. I don't think any of us in this room would uh, know about him or necessarily his story. But uh, Ray Blankenship one day was preparing breakfast. And as he was preparing breakfast in his kitchen, he gazed out the window. And outside of his window, he saw a small little girl that was swept along in the rain-flooded drainage ditch outside of his house. Uh, immediately, he dropped everything that he was doing. He ran out that door and he and he uh, jumped into those waters, doing his very best to save that little girl. After some time, he surfaced out of that water, and they tumbled around a little bit. Finally, he got a hold of her arm and was able to finally pull her out to safety. For his courage and his act of bravery, he was awarded the Coast Guard Silver Life-Saving Medal. But the most interesting part about this story, as we think about uh, Ray Blankenship, was that Ray Blankenship didn't even know how to swim. Uh, he never had learned how to swim before in his life, but as he saw the need, as he saw this little girl being swept away in this drainage ditch, he came out of that kitchen and he ran as fast as he could. And despite the fear and the anxiety that he had in his life, by courage, he jumped in to make a difference and to rescue that life. And likewise, as we think about our lives here this morning, it's going to take courage. It's going to take courage to launch out. It's going to take courage to stay and remain faithful in the will of God. It's going to take courage to make a difference in the lives of others, to face tasks that are greater than our abilities that we have here this morning. Philip Brooks said this, Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for power equal to your tasks. And so we find here that we must be courageous as we obey the Lord, but then also we must be consistent. And notice what the Bible teaches in the following verses, in verse number 12 down to verse number 16. It says, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And seven priests, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, went on continually and blew with the trumpets, and the armed men went before them, but the rearward came after the ark of the Lord, the priest going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp, so they did six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they arose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times, only on that day they compassed the city seven times." And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. And so we find here not only does obeying the Lord require courage on our part, but it also requires consistency. It requires faith to commence and then faithfulness 
to continue and complete the task that God desires for us to complete within this life. And oftentimes the reason why many Christians do not experience the victories uh, and the many blessings that God desires for us to experience within this life is because we fail to persist. Uh, we fail to persevere and to keep on keeping on and remain faithful in all that God desires for us to do. Could you imagine with me here this morning, what if Moses quit? Uh, what if Moses, after nine plagues, came back to God and said, God, it's not working. Uh, we had these plagues and Pharaoh's not changing his heart. There's no way that uh, he's going to release the people of God. Uh, what if here we imagine Noah quit building the ark after several decades of no rain and, and uh, he and his family got discouraged and decided we're going to quit and they threw in the tools and said, we're done with this. We're not going to build this ark. They might have been swept away in the flood as well. What if Naaman didn't dip in the water seven times? Uh, he said, go in and seven times in the Jordan River dip and when you're out on the seventh time, uh, your leprosy is going to be healed. What if he did it five times and then six times? He said, forget it, I'm done with this. This is silly. I'm not going to continue with this task. Then he would have never been healed of his leprosy. What if the church ceased to continue praying for Peter as he was arrested? Then it might be that Peter might have remained in prison that evening. And so you see here tonight, we too must learn to be consistent and persistent in the will of God to keep on keeping on and remain faithful in that which God has called us to do. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I want to encourage you here this morning as we think about God's will for our lives, as we think about the plan that God has set before us, not only must we be courageous in following the will of God, but then we must be consistent. We must be faithful and persistent. And let me encourage you this morning, continue when it comes to your prayer life. Uh, continue when it comes to your devotional life and your time in the Bible. Continue when it comes to your faithfulness to the house of God. Continue when it comes to giving towards the work of God. Continue when it comes to telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ and going from house to house and facing rejection after rejection, but continue sharing the gospel about the saving knowledge of our Savior. Continue praying for the lost loved ones that you have within your life, uh, trusting the Lord that God can do a miracle. Continue loving one another and continue serving one another and keep on keeping on and continue and the Lord will help us to receive the victory within our lives. Uh, I love the diary of John Wesley. I'm sure many of you have heard this before, but it's always such a challenge to me. He writes in his diary, Sunday a.m., May 5th, preached in St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday p.m., May 5th, preached in St. John's, deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday a.m., May 12th, preached in St. Jude's, can't go back there either. Sunday a.m., May 19th, preached in St. Somebody Else's Deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m., May 19th, preached on the street, kicked off the street. Sunday a.m., May 26th, preached in a meadow, chased out of the meadow as, as a bull was turned loose during the service. Sunday a.m., June 2nd, preached out at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m., June 2nd afternoon, preached in a pasture, 10,000 people came out to hear me preach. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, and let us not be wary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And so I find here, first of all, the obstacle concerning uh, the battle of Jericho, the obedience 
uh, the courageous obedience, the consistency to go and compass the walls over and over a total of 13 times, the faithfulness of the people of God. And then lastly and finally, I want you to notice with me, uh, not only the obstacle and the obedience, but I find here the overthrow. And uh, notice finally in verse number 20, the Bible reads there, so the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. You see, the victory didn't come through the strategies of Joshua. Uh, the victories didn't come through the military might of their soldiers. It didn't come through an alliance that they uh, created with maybe some other nation, but the victory came through the Lord. It was God's plan. It was God's victory. It was God's blessing that he provided for the people of God, and that victory came by faith. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews 11, verse number 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven times. And could I encourage each and every one of us here this morning that it's by faith uh, that a loved one might come to know the Lord as their personal Savior. It's by faith that a relationship that might be broken in our lives can be restored. It's by faith that a need can be filled within our lives. Maybe you're struggling with a school bill, and, and I'm not suggesting you don't have to work and put in your due diligence, but primarily it begins with an attitude and a spirit of faith that if God has brought you here, then God will keep you here and God will provide. And you might be thinking, hey, this feels like the walls of Jericho, but hey, you have God on your side, and if you're following the plan of God, then he can give you victory, and he can provide for the need that you have within your life. It's by faith that God can help you concerning a busy schedule that you need to manage. It's by faith that he can help you to overcome the obstacles and the hindrances in your life. It's by faith that victory is achieved and experienced within this Christian life. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And this morning, we must have faith. Uh, we must have faith in the character of God that there's nothing that is impossible with the Lord. And we must have faith when it comes to the promises that we find within the Scriptures, not sitting upon the premises, but standing on every single promise that God provides for us within the Scriptures here this morning. I think about a story that Charles Spurgeon used to tell concerning an elderly woman in her church or in his church and uh, one day she was confronted by a skeptic who attempted to scientifically prove to her that the Bible was not true and that it was impossible for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And although he argued adamantly her faith was unshaken, and this lady finally, after this man was done with his argument, she replied this way. She said, not only do I believe that Jonah was swallowed by a great fish, as the Bible says, but if the Bible said Jonah swallowed the great fish, I would believe that too. And she had great faith in the promises of God. She had great faith in the character of the Lord. And here this morning, we must have great faith that if God has promised it in his word, then we can claim it. And we can stand upon that and by faith see great victory within our lives. Matthew 19, 26, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And so as we think about the battle of Jericho, 
It wasn't really a battle between the Israelites and Jericho. It wasn't a battle of, of armies. We find there in verse number two that God already promised the Israelites and Joshua, I'm going to give you the victory. Uh, this is the land that I've provided. I've promised for you. I'm going to fight for you. And so the battle wasn't necessarily Israel versus Jericho, but the battle was really in the hearts of the Israelites. It was in the heart of Joshua. Would he believe? Uh, would he obey by faith? Would they exercise courage? Uh, would they exercise consistency and faithfulness even after day number four and day number five and day number six and then the sixth time around on day number seven? Would they continue in that plan of God without compromise, trusting that this is God's plan? And if we follow God's plan and we remain in God's will, then God will give us the victory. And I don't know this morning what Jericho might be in your life, but I encourage you today that you would remain courageous and consistent and faithful. Don't waver from the plan of God. Don't waver upon what God has called you to do. There's going to be battles. There's going to be struggles. But through it all, God's grace is sufficient. And God will give you the wisdom and the power that if you continue, he'll give you the victory that he might receive the glory and the honor within our lives. And so as we think about the battle of Jericho, the obstacles, the obedience, and then, of course, we find the overthrow.